0: some of you are at a disadvantage either watching on the live stream or maybe some of our visitors tonight, is that we're on a 11-part series. Tonight's the 11th part. That means that there's already been more than eight hours that we've talked on this subject matter. So you might hear something tonight and you're going to go, it's kind of like being in math and missing a couple weeks of math class and then go back in and they're doing things that you never heard of before. It might be a little bit like that. So just, uh, just buckle up. Just believe the Lord will help you. It'll be okay. We've been talking about the power of words. The Bible has a lot to say about the power and the, the, the blessings that the words that we speak can be. And we're going to look tonight real quickly that first and foremost, our words are like a steering device. Does anybody know what a steering device is? You know that round thing on the front, right front, this left front uh, seat of our cars, that wheel right in front, that's a steering device. Well, let's, let's look at that tonight. Our words can actually steer our life in a particular direction. Going over to James chapter 3, verse 2. James 3.2, he says that, and I'm reading this from the Christian Standard Bible, it says that we all stumble in many ways. I mean, if you believe that's true? We all do. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a mature man who is also able to control his whole, his whole body. Notice he's talking about that a mature person in the Lord monitors what he says and in monitoring what we say we begin to control our body or we begin to control the direction our life goes in now the first time I heard this I went come on how, how could how could words steer my life well as I dug a little bit further into it I began to see why we go on in the next verse verse 3 He's going to give us two examples of how a mouth will steer. Look here, verse 3. Now, we put bits into the mouths of horses. Why do we do that? To make them obey us. We also guide the whole animal. Now, this was profound for us because I was never really around horses. But uh, my wife and I, at one time, we actually acquired four horses, and uh, some of these horses were 800 pounds plus and towered over us. Yet this little bit that weighed under two pounds, we would put in a body of a horse that weighed over 800 pounds, and that little bit would steer that animal. Notice it says, that we put the bit in the horse's mouth. So again, this is telling us that a horse is controlled by a bit in their mouth. And this is another way of saying the same thing that we just said in verse 2. So we can control a large animal. We can, char- we can control our life just simply with our mouth. Look at the fourth verse, James 3. And this is the one that I like particularly. It uses the example of a ship or a boat or some kind of a device on water that has a rudder. It says that, And consider the ships, though very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. And to me, this is profound because I think of an aircraft carrier which is a, a huge boat. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, if you're, if you're taking off with airplanes and landing them on, on some kind of a boat, that's a big boat. And the tonnage that they weigh, I mean, just, the, just their enormity is, is, is insane. But that ship is completely controlled by a rudder in its rear. And the proportion of that rudder compared to the mass of that ship is so minute. But that big ship will go wherever that captain steers it with just that small rudder, and that's what our mouth is like. Now, how many of you have found some situations in your life where it was like the winds were blowing on your sailboat and trying to get your sailboat to go in a particular direction? I mean, my wife and I, have well, we face them all the time. Where We've got circumstances, tests, problems, challenges that come to our life, and it's trying to push us in a certain direction. But you know, in a sailboat, even though the wind is pushing against it, with steering that boat with the rudder, you can steer into the wind and still get in the opposite direction that the wind is blowing. And that's what we do with our mouth. When we get to a place in our life where the winds are blowing, I would imagine you got something blowing on your life right now, like Mara and I do on ours. we we got some things that we're working on to fix. Amen. Well, how do I not go with the current or the wind? I go against it with my mouth. So our words steer our life in a chosen direction. See, there's a lot of people out there in the world that they, they think life is just, well, whatever happens is my life. And that's not what the Bible teaches. Come on. <clears throat> well, everything that happens is God's will. Well, that better not be true because there's a lot of bad things happening in the world today. And I don't want to follow a God that's doing bad things. Come on. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So we can steer our life with the words that we speak. Now understand that our words have the ability to create both good and bad. I want you to go over to Proverbs 18, 21. Now we just said that our words can steer our life in a chosen direction because the words that we speak are creative in nature. Our words create our future. Look here in Proverbs 18.21. Let me just make this statement before I read this verse. Our words can either help us or our words can hinder us. Our words can point us in the direction of God's blessings or our words will take us in the opposite direction of God's blessings. Look here, it says in Proverbs 18.21. It says that life... And death, what are those two things? Life and death. death. They are in the power of the tongue. They're in the power of what we say. So I can say words that produce life, and I can say words that produce a lack of life. Now, words are a steering device. Words can be creative in nature. We can create our future. God used his words to create. And I want you to see this. Go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews eleven three. 3. Now, understand that God, at one time... Looked out into the void, in this physical realm. And there was nothing. It was empty. It was void. And he chose to create a world, a universe, an earth, a physical place for for you and I. Well, he wanted to create. Now remember, we said our words are creative in nature. So God created the world by what he said. Now look at this. Hebrews 11.3. It says that through faith, I want you to say the word faith. So through faith, we understand that the world's... And how many of you know here in Colorado, we see a lot of what God created on a dark night, without a moon without the uh, emissions of light of a city or a town, and we can look up and you can see the Milky Way. Yeah. And we're, we're seeing hundreds of thousands of miles. Well, it's probably much more than that. Just a, how many you think, Peter? <laughs> more than 100,000 miles? We're seeing a long ways, aren't we? And all of that that we're looking at and gazing at was created by a living God that spoke faith-filled words. It says, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed. That word framed is better translated created. So he created the worlds by the word of God or God's words. So that things which are seen, that's this physical seen world, were not made from that which appears, meaning that the seen physical world was created from the spiritual world. And that makes a lot of sense because God is a spirit. And he created that which is in the physical world with faith-filled words. Now look here. Now we've, we've been talking about this now. This is our 11th week. And, and, and <laughs> it does seem like a long time, doesn't it? And I still could go another 11 weeks. There's just so much in the Bible. But understand that we're not just talking about random words. Not every words that you and I speak are creative in nature. Like I can walk up to my wife and say, how you doing? You know, we can have a conversation. Th- those aren't words that create. Words that create... Is when we're utilizing God's creative power and we're speaking those creative words from our heart that's when they become faith-filled so God didn't just speak any words to create the world he used words filled with faith words filled with faith now what what are words filled with faith Faith-filled words are just simply words that have God's creativity within them. Now, I think the greatest example of this is a a seed from a plant. Let's 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 use a a kernel a, cor, a kernel of corn. Well, that kernel has within itself the creativity to produce itself. No human could add anything to that to. Make it do that, it's already inherent in that seed. And so, when you use the laws of farming, if you don't mind me saying that, the, the laws of sowing and, and caring for that seed in the ground, that life or that creativity in that seed will reproduce itself. And so, understand that when God breathed this book, Into man, he spoke this word to those that wrote it down. When he spoke those words, every word had his very creative power invested in them. The the Bible is really a big bag of seeds. (laughs) See, we we look at the Bible and we think, well, it's it's awesome. It's such a historic document, and it is. Oh, look at the Bible. It tells us about this and it tells us about that. Yes, it does. But also inherit in this, in this is God's breath. That is, breathe his power, his creativity into these words that if we'll take the words that he says and we say them, then that releases that creativity. Now, I'm saying that very simply. It's a a little bit more involved than that. So God's words are filled with a creative force in order to create what that word says. We use this statement early on in this study. Faith's confession creates reality. You guys remember that? Making a confession of faith. A a, a confession of faith is saying what you believe. When you say what you believe according to God's word, it will create itself. It will create the reality of it. That's exactly how you and I were born again. That's exactly how we received eternal life. That's exactly how we were saved. We heard what God said about Jesus. We believe what he said. We found out that he said that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You heard that in some form or fashion, and you believed it, and it got down into your heart. And so when you said about salvation, what God says about salvation, that if you call upon him, you'll be saved. And so you called upon him. And so that word seed that was in your heart was spoken believing and you received your salvation or better said you had your salvation was created in you you were born again and that's quite simply how this takes takes place so face confession creates reality or face confession is speaking god's word saying what god would say in a given situation so we've already said That God's words are filled with faith or God's creative power we see this real simply in, in Romans 10 17 that faith comes by hearing the Word of God so when I hear the Word of God I'm hearing God's creative power and when I believe that word now it is deposited in my heart and it becomes a substance or a force that I can use to steer my life in the direction that God would like it to go. Amen. Yes. All right? Now, we talked about this multiple times. Well, let me pause here for a second. So then faith, remember faith, are words that are spoken that have the capacity to create. When we have God's word, you have faith. Yes. Amen. You see, this is why the Bible tells us to pray according to the word of God. Because when you pray according to the word of God, now you're praying according to what he has said, what he has willed, and when you pray according to that, there's the power to receive what you ask for. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done for you. Many times when, when people come up to us and they say, Pastors, I want you to pray for me. This is what I need. The first thing we respond is, what scripture do you have? Well, I just thought I could just ask for what I need and he'll give it to me. Well, that's a nice thought, but that's not how it works. Come on. Amen. See, you've got to ask for something that he can respond to and that has to do with his word. His word is his will. His word contains that power to create what you're asking for. So once you have that word, then what do I have? I have faith. See, God responds to us through faith. So his word has faith already in it. So when I hear it and I'm believing it, I'm getting that Substance that creativity of faith. So when you have faith you have creative words We use the example of Abram Are you are is anyone getting tired of hearing about Abram? (laughs) What how many weeks did we talk about Abram? Well, he's the father of our faith he's the father of our faith and that's why the Bible uses him quite a bit to demonstrate and to show us what faith is and how to operate in faith now God chose Abram to be the father of many nations why did he pick Abram Um, I don't know but he chose Abram he chose Abram to be the father of many nations Now God knew in order him for him to be to be the father of many nations because you know his story He, he was fatherless his his wife Sarai was barren she couldn't have a baby he couldn't make a baby and yet God wanted the two of them to be the parents of many nations well God knew that he'd have to release his creativity towards that couple in order to create the ability for them to have children. So what did they need? God knew they needed his word. See, he wants to steer their life in the way he wants them to go. He wants them to be the father of many nations. What direction was their life going in? Their life was going in, I can't have children and you're too old to have children or to make children. So God spoke a word over them that would have the creativity in it to create and to steer their life what God wanted for them to to accomplish. So this is what God, this was the word that contained the creativity to steer their life to what God had for them. In Romans 4.17... God spoke to Abram and says, I have made you a father of many nations. I have made you a father of many nations. Now, when God spoke this to Abram, he was fatherless and his wife was barren. But now they had a word from God that they could believe and they could speak it for themselves and create what that verse says. It would create them to be a father and to be a mother of many nations. Anytime you and I are up against something, we have to find a scripture that God has spoken so that we can embrace it so that we can believe it, so that we can use that word to put in our heart and then put it in our mouth to create what that word that God said in our life, and that's what's steering our life towards all that he has for us, all that he's provided for us. So God told Abraham, excuse me, he told him, he said this before his name was changed, he said this to Abram, he says, you are the, father of many nations. Now this statement was God's spoken word. And in that word was the the power to create what it said, to make him, to create him as the father of many nations. Once Abram believed this word concerning himself, once Abram after afterwards being called Abraham, spoke this word about himself. Now, can you imagine he went around saying, I'm the father of many nations, when he was still fatherless? And I guess there were some that thought maybe he was a little... Yeah, right? (laughs) Don't you realize for these many years you've been fatherless and Sarai, who's now called Sarah, is barren? But you see, he dared to believe what God said about himself. And he put that word into his heart, and he began to say it. I'm the father of many nations. And every time he spoke it, his life started pointing towards the direction that God had for him. It was creating the will of God in his life until the supernatural power in that creativity of that word or of that seed touched his body where he could could get his wife who was barren who's now producing an egg for a child to make a child. And that's what we're doing. We're taking what God says about us And at the time that we read it, our life doesn't have that Mm -hmm. going on in it, right? It might be a sickness. It it may be a financial need. It it might be a a relational need. I mean, once you find that scripture that tells us that God has already dealt with that, and we have his word to correct that and create what he wants for us in the opposite direction of what we're experiencing, if we'll dare to believe it and put it in our heart and to begin speaking it, Amen. then that creati- creativity of what God said begins to work in our life. And so once Abraham believed what he was saying was coming to pass, this creative Spoken word created itself in the life of Abraham. Now, we ended, might have been last week. I had a question for all of us. Now, here in this verse, we found out what God called Abraham. What did he call him? Father of many nations. What does God call you? See, if I don't know what God calls me, then I don't know what I should say in terms of what God says about me. Come on. And, and therefore, all my life will be just steering in circles. You see, that's how my life was before Christ. This would happen to me And then I would fix it and then it happened again to me and then I would fix it and then what happened again I was just driving around in a circle I wasn't going anywhere because I was following my plan for my life right but once I began to identify with with who I became because of a spiritual birth Once I found out my identity in Christ, and I began to take that identity and and start putting that identity by the word of God into my heart, and then I'd start saying about me what God says about me, it started forming and creating that image in me that took my life out of this circle and took me going straight to what God had created for me through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to look at that. This is really the subject of tonight's service. It looks like it took me 25 minutes to get there. You guys ready? Question. What does God call me? I don't know. Well, he gave us his book. And the books of the Bible that identify who we've become in Christ are from Acts all the way over to Jude. It's what we call the epistles. You're not going to find who you are largely in the Gospels because the price hadn't been paid yet. But once we get into the church, which begins in Acts all the way through Jude, just before Revelation, it'll identify our identity in Christ, who we are right now in real time because we've invited Jesus Christ into our heart. going over to Ephesians. Let's look at a couple of these. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. Now you understand I'm talking about these scriptures are describing the identity of a believer in Jesus Christ. This isn't just any human being because God hasn't touched every human being with his son, Jesus Christ. The only ones that he has touched are those that have invited Christ into their life. See, I was without Christ for 24 years. Remember that life I was going in a circle? And then when I accepted Christ into my life as a 24-year-old, and then began doing what we're gonna do right now I found my identity in Christ that's when my life started getting steered in the direction of his plan for my life and his plan is good Amen. <laughs> it's always good we don't deserve good but he gives it to us anyway so here in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 it says that we and that's not a video game console That's every believer. Every believer. Regardless of what's going on in a believer's life, this is a reality on the inside of them. We are, doesn't say going to be, Is telling us who we are right now. We are what? His workmanship. Well, when did that happen when I was created in Christ Jesus so the moment that you said Jesus be my Lord the moment that you allowed him into your heart you opened the door of your life and you said come in I receive you as my Lord and my Savior at that moment you became his workmanship that means that God personally Created you on the inside in his likeness and in his image But most of us we don't have that image of ourselves I Used to think that I was simply the son of of Robert and Ruth I used to think I was this guy that did this, and I was the guy that did that. But this verse of scripture says, I'm God's workmanship. Amen. That means I was built or created by God. Amen. Come on. What kind of potential you think we have as being his workmanship? You know, I've been called a lot of things. I've been called a drunk. I've been called a drug addict. I've been called a dropout. I've been called a womanizer. I've been called a liar. I've been called one who steals. I've been called a lot. But you know what God calls me? His workmanship Glory. That's right. see I've got to change the way I see myself by saying this scripture to me over and over and over again to begin to release me from the image people around me have called me Come on. Amen. some kids by their parents have been called good-for-nothing You'll never amount to anything. You're worthless. Everything you're going to do, just going to... God never said that about me. Nope. Amen. Never. You know how many times I tell someone my dream, and they go, you oh, can't do that. God says I'm his workmanship. Amen. woo Come on. So how do I get... The creativity in this verse to start creating in me. Will you just start saying to yourself, I'm God's workmanship? Amen. According to God's word, He made me. I'm not simply a human being with all my faults and mistakes. No. The person on the inside, the place in me that God touched, I'm His workmanship. Now check this out. When you and I start saying this to ourselves, I'm His workmanship, and I begin to discount what people have called me. I, st- I start to discount the bad mistakes I've made. I start to discount all the negative stuffs in my life, and I say, Lord, I'm believing what you say about me. You say right here in Ephesians 2:10, I'm Your workmanship. I believe that. I've been made by You. And you've never made anything that was worthless. So I'm worth something to you. Yeah, yeah. And start saying that over and over and over again until your identity begins to be formed by that scripture. Huh, yeah, I'm not a loser. Huh, I'm not that. I'm his workmanship. Look what happens when this gets formed in us and this identity becomes real to us, it becomes a reality. It says that you'll start creating good works, which God has before ordained that you should walk in them. Now, you understand that these things don't necessarily happen in a snap of a finger, a finger. but you're going to, with your tongue, with what you're saying, you're going to start steering your life in a new direction. Remember that aircraft carrier that can be turned by a rudder? Do you know that it takes two miles, two miles, for a captain to turn an aircraft carrier around? That's a long time. So, I can't just start saying a scripture one day and then all of a sudden the reality of it's mine. And no, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some effort. It's going to take some perseverance. Right? But I'm telling you right here tonight, it will turn our life around. It will turn our life around. So, say that I am am. According according to the word of God, I'm his workmanship. Going over Galatians 3.26. Galatians 3.26. Now, remember all those words that I told you that people called me? Oh, you already forgot? Did anybody remember all the things that people called me? They were all part of my resume. Naturally speaking, they were all true. scriptures like we're quoting tonight for ourselves, is what turned my life in the direction of good works and it didn't happen right away oh and I'm still working on it <laughs> just as my wife I still got some r- rough edges that we're taking the sandpaper to right you, you and I will never get there We can get a lot further than we were when we started. Look here in Galatians 3.26. Now look how this one says. The verse we just read says, we are. In Galatians 2.26, it says, you are. Galatians 2.26, or excuse me, 3.26. I'm sorry, Joy. Galatians 3.26. For you are, talking about the believer, you are all. Not some but all you're all what the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus so this isn't talking about his creation this is talking about his new creatures his new creations those who are born again so what does this what's my identity What's my identity in this scripture I'm a child of God I'm his offspring I'm made from the same substance that he's made from now I'm not God duh because I'm a created being but I'm like him I'm like him I've got his his attributes I have his love I have his faith I have his wisdom he's even imparted his ability in us but we have to bring these things online we have to cultivate them we've got to get them working for us so I start saying that I am a child of God yes. it makes a difference I said it makes a difference going over to 2 Corinthians 5 now here's a scripture that really it was like putting a bit in a horse's mouth. This scripture began to turn my life in the direction of godliness, or being like God, or thinking like God, or acting like God. Making more godly decisions than ungodly. So I'm making less mistakes. But this verse was like a catalyst to create an image in me that resonated, that I could believe, and that I could keep saying. I still say this scripture almost every day. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. I hope I got that right, Joy. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man... And remember what we say when you see the word man it's referencing in most cases the human race and the human race is what male and female so it's everybody right therefore if any human being be in christ or a part of christ how can i become a part of christ by receiving him as your savior we're spiritually baptized into christ's body we're a part of him right now just like my finger is a part of this body. When I receive Christ, and when you receive Christ, you became a part of his spiritual body. Amen. The church, or, or the body of Christ, is from the neck down. He's the head of the, bo- of the body. Mm-hmm. The head lives in heaven at the right hand of God the Father on the throne of God, and his body lives down here on earth. Technically, Jesus isn't doing anything on the earth these days. He's doing everything through his body. When my head says to pick up this book, who does it? The body does it. The head told me to do it, the body does it. Jesus tells us up here what to do through the Word of God, and then we, the body, do it. Does that make sense? Therefore, if any man, any human, is in Christ, he's something. He has become something. What is he? What am I? A new creature other scriptures say a new creation? Do you know that you're not who you were after Christ? You know who I was before Christ? I was a... Did I do it right? Is that a L? I can't see it. Is is it right? Is it a L? Is that a L? Oh, that's so 10 years ago. Anyway... Or maybe 20 (laughs) bona fide loser because i was separated from god and my inward nation or excuse me my inner nature was selfish but now when i accepted christ on may 4th 1977 his spirit came inside of me and resurrected that dead old spirit that was in me that was separated from god And you and I, when we did that, we became a new creature. If you look that word up, new creature, from the original Greek words in which it was written, it means a species that never existed before. You are like a snowflake. You've become a brand new creature in Christ, and you're different than any other creature. You're your own identity. But we're all in him. I said we're all in him. So say, I am. I, am. I am a new creature. Now, why is this identity important? Why did this, this verse of Scripture change my life in a dramatic way? Because it says that old things or old ways are passed away. Amen. So, you know, that drug dealer and that drug user and that drunk and that liar and that thief and that womanizer, he doesn't exist anymore. Now, the body I live in still wants to do those things, but the one behind the wheel down in my spirit, who I am in Christ, that new creature doesn't want it. Amen. Come on. And so when I find my identity in Christ by saying I'm a new creature, old things have no authority over me. Old things have no power over me. When I say that, and that becomes real inside of me, I put a bit on this body, and I say no to that. And yes, yeah, okay. No to that. And I live my life from the inside out. Yeah. And I'm steering my life into the blessings that God has for me. Because I'm no longer weighted down by the ways of the world, by serving my body. By serving my pride, by serving my earthly desires. Now I'm living from the inside out, and I keep saying I'm a new creature, and that keeps that bit in the mouth of my body so I can restrain it. I can control it. I can tell it what it can eat. I can tell it what it can do. I can tell it what it can say. Yep, amen. I am. I am. Right now, I am am. a new creature. I'm a new creature in Christ. Christ. Who I was was. has passed away. away. And all this before me me is new and fresh. Ready for another good one? Well, I guess we're done. Um, (laughs) You ready for another one? Thank you, Joy. Now, see, if you guys are uptight about us hanging around here, it's Joy's fault. I I gave you an out. 1 Corinthians, I'll I'll hurry up. Yeah, right. 1 Corinthians 3.16. 1 Corinthians 3.16. I love the way this starts. I love the way Paul says this. 1 Corinthians 316. He says, Know ye not? That's like saying, Hey, don't you know? (laughs) Is it the Canadians or is it the Minnesotans say, Don't you know? Don't you know? Don't you know what, Paul? That you are. Do you see how these things are current realities? It doesn't say anything, Well, when you get to heaven, you'll be that. No, you're it right now. I'm in right now. All these things are real. And they're right now. They're not going to be. They're right now. Yep. What am I right now? Of God. I'm the temple. That word means house. That means dwelling place. Other scriptures say tabernacle. Other scriptures say tent. Which is really cool because <laughs> temps are te- temporary. And the dwelling place where, he, where God lives right now is temporary. This, this, this tents going back to the earth, this body. What is, my, what is my body? You are the temple, the dwelling place of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells you, in you. Amen. Yes. you we have to get an identity. that has to be our identity. Everywhere I go, God goes. <laughs> I don't have to go out here and say, "God. God. No, he's already he's in here. Come on. If I go to Walmart, he's there on the inside of me. If I go to Florida, guess what? He's right here on the inside of me. He went with me. Now, how could God put himself in you if you weren't worthy? He couldn't. God can't dwell in anything that isn't holy. So that means that if God's living in you, guess what you are? You got cleaned up, baby. You got cleaned up. And that's because he had to make you a new creature for God to live inside of you. Now, you may not think that you're holy. You might not think that you're worthy, but God says you are. So when I put those words in my mouth and I start creating the reality of it, then I begin accepting of it. When I become accept, accepting of it, then as a man thinketh, thinketh of himself, so is he. And I start living that way. Again, this doesn't happen overnight. I'm still working at it. Every day, I'm saying God's word, A lot of the things that I say during the day is my identity in Christ. Last one. 2 Corinthians, trying to be very careful here of saying it right. 2 Corinthians, same chapter 5 that we were in earlier, verse 21. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. This is a powerful verse of Scripture. It says that God made Jesus to be sin for us. When did that happen? On the cross. He became sin for us when he didn't know sin. He was an innocent lamb put to slaughter. He did that so we might be made. Here's that creation, that new creature. This is his workmanship. What were you made? I was made, you were made, the righteousness of God in Christ. This scripture says that you and I were made righteous. When was the last time you told yourself that I am the righteousness of God in Christ? Many Christians would never say that. Because they're looking at their outer man. They're looking at their mistakes. They're looking at the things they did wrong. How could I be that? I've done this. I've done that. Well, we keep forgetting that God wiped that all away Amen. Amen. and made you and I the righteousness of God in Christ. You say this I am. Regardless of my past. Regardless of my mistakes. I am in real time right now. I am the righteousness of God because I'm in Christ. This is the verse along with being a new creature that completely put my life on a different trajectory. That was when I stopped seeing myself as a loser. That's when I started seeing that my life had value. That's when I saw that God was on my side. That's when I saw that God loved me and did everything he could for me and put his image in me because I became his image. He made me his workmanship. He made me his child. He made me the temple of God. He made me a new creature. He made me the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, did I deserve it? Nope. Did I earn it? Nope. Did he give it to me? Yep. Now it's up to me to believe it. It's up to me he can't make me believe that but guess what it's in his book we read it together we heard it we saw it and in that word is creative power and if we'll put that word in our heart by saying it over and over again and if we'll start saying believing that what we're saying is coming to pass it will create the image in your being that that's who you are it'll become your identity And then you'll, or we, will start living in the reality of that image. And that's when our mouth is steering our life into the goodness of God. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God tonight. We thank you that it's yea and amen. We thank you that these are real. Even though our mind goes, huh? even though our intellect goes, how can that be? It's still true, because you said it. And as as we read this, and as we believe these words, and as we begin saying these words, it'll create an image in us, a reality in us, and our identity shall be fixed. Fixed. In the fact that we are in Christ, and in him we live, in him we move, and in him we have our being. Thank you for helping us. In Jesus' name, amen.